wrap this up quick because I want to hear the word. Our Tim is bringing the word today. Amen. Praise God. A quick Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. I like this scripture. I'm going to read it from the original King James. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Amen. That speaks for itself. I like the easy English version. It says, obey the Lord's rules with your money and offer him the best things from your substance. If you do, you will not have enough places to store everything that he will give you, and you'll have more wine than you can keep. Some of you wine drinkers like that. <laughs> uh, Actually, what this is saying is that God has certain rules and standards when it comes to our money. Um, how many know that when you gave your life to the Lord, you gave your whole life to the Lord? That's including your money, too. Amen? So when I offered to serve God, I offered also to tithe and to give God of my substance. And so the whole word here, honor, is basically just giving God the best things from our substance. That's what it says there. The best from what we have. We don't give God what's extra. We don't give God change. We don't give God. He's not a beggar. He doesn't need what we have. He just likes when we honor. So honoring is the key here when we give our tithes and offerings. You know, uh, this church has never pressured anybody into giving anything. And that's why I love it. You know, if it's your first time here. And you're like, oh, here we go again. They're going to ask for money. And you need to think about that and just, you don't need to give. Because things should not come from a pressuring moment. It should come from an honor. You should come from, from your heart and say, you know what, I'm going to honor God because I love him so much. And he's given me the ability to do this and to work and to make this money. And so I'm going to honor him with this money. The thing here is about honor. And then, the, it, then there's a promise with that. If you do this... You won't have enough places to store everything that he will give you. Amen. Some of you people who want to declutter your house. This is not a good statement for you. But for us who, who everybody knows that this spiritual aspect here is that God will continue to release into your life so you can be a distribution center. Amen. At the end of the day, we are distribution centers for God. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers. Amen. I'm glad we're not lakes. Lakes are stagnant. They don't move. They have no source. Amen. But if I'm a river, I have a source. It moves and it releases. Amen. So that's what we're going to do today while we give our tithe and offering. Three things you need to know. If you're watching on YouTube, at the right hand of your screen, top right hand, there's a little button there. You just click on that. You can give online. If you're on Facebook, you could donate now. There's a button there for that. And also, if you're online, just go to our giving page, and you can give online. God bless you, and may the Lord increase and give you places and overwhelming places to store everything so you can release it. You know why the Bible says you won't have enough places? Because you're not supposed to store up everything. You're supposed to release it. Amen. The more he gives, the more you give. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. And 
Let's go ahead and, and, and give. Before we give, let's just pray real quick. We want to pray over our giving. We want to also pray uh, for what we're giving into, into this house. And we also want to pray for our pastor as he's out there. Uh, he's on a mission for Christ. And uh, the Lord is, is going to be increasing the missions in this church. And as he increases the missions of this church, we also are releasing not only of our substance, but what we have, the anointing that we carry. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that we're going to give today. We thank you that this is about honor. This is about offering you the best things that we have. And we thank you, Lord, of oh God, for the promise that you give after that, that you will release into our lives abundantly, exceedingly. We thank you, Lord, of oh God, that we will release also into the kingdom. And we thank you that we are being released into the kingdom as distribution centers. So, Father, we thank you also for our pastor who has been released into the kingdom over there in right now in Ukraine and traveling of God into different places in Europe. We thank you, Lord, that you are protecting him, watching him, but he is also on a mission. And because of the substance that we released into his life and into that area, that area is being blessed. There's healings, and that goes to our account. So we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. 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 So we do have a special presentation today. Uh, so go ahead and give give our uh, go ahead and give you giving. But we have a special presentation. What are we talking about? Missions. Amen. So I, I believe prophetically that God is going to continue to raise missionaries. Well, I would call them walking and living apostles who will leave out of this house and to go into all the world, into nations. Amen. 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 Come on. Give God a strong hand clap for that. And so we have a couple here who will be traveling soon, okay, and they're going to do a presentation, and we also encourage you to give into their lives, okay, uh, not in this offering, but they will, uh, they, will, uh, they will show you where to give, and we want you to give into their lives, amen? So Emily and Caleb Foster, all right. everyone <clears throat> so for those of you who don't know who we are I'm Emily Foster this is my husband Caleb and um, we wanted to share with everyone this amazing opportunity that we've chosen to step into um, Caleb and I both individually felt called to missions prior to getting married so missions is a core for us um, and our lives jointly as well as a core for our dreams for the future um, over the past few years, we've been asking the Lord to release us full-time into ministry and missions, um, but don't feel we're at that place yet. And something Chip Payne once said to us was that God can't steer a ship that's not moving. So we have prayerfully decided to take practical steps towards our dream. Um, so January 21st, Caleb and I will be leaving to go to Brazil for a two-week short-term missions trip. Um, we will be visiting an iris base in Fortaleza, Brazil. While we are there, we desire to fully integrate into the heartbeat of the base to learn and serve in multiple capacities. Um, they're in a major city, so they have a huge ministry to the impoverished community there. Um, they do at-risk youth mentoring, um, Outreach and ministry in the red light district is one of the biggest ministries they have as well. So we really just want to go and step in 
and learn a lot while we're there for two weeks. Be flexible and willing to just do whatever is needed to help in any way possible. So um, we chose this location for two reasons. One is that we fully support and agree with Iris, Iris's vision um, and core values. And two is that we, Brazil holds a dear place in my heart. This will be my third time traveling to Brazil, and I speak the language, which Caleb and I believe is a vital part of connecting on an organic level with a local population. So we were going to show a short video of the base that we're going to and their mission and their vision. So if we could play that video for everyone to see, that would be great. else's passion I don't want to find that I'm just dry bones I want to we really had this dream which we believe came from God's heart to see the Brazilian church and the Brazilian bride really raised up and become a missionary force really in this end time harvest and what we really really want to see the word that keeps coming is being radical we want to we want these guys to be radical we want to be radical we want to give 100% and we never want to say no to Jesus, no matter what that means. It doesn't always mean opening a project or being a missionary in the traditional way, but what we want to see are people that are, that are fully, fully abandoned, fully, fully in love with Jesus, and they're not holding anything back. They're doing the most crazy, radical things for the sake of their love um, and the bride. So we want to go, but we want to go there with Jesus. We, we want to give everything. So to me, that's the DNA. That's the reason why we're here, is to see these people raised up to that standard, to really be lovers of Jesus. I don't want to ride on somebody else's passion. I don't want to find that I'm just dry bones. I want to burn with unquenchable fire deep down inside. The Bible says that Jesus came to save the lost and to bring light to the dark places and really that's what our heart is, is to find the lost places and the dark places and bring salvation there and bring the light of Jesus there. We just want to we want to be where he is and go where he is not. That's our heart is to be in the presence, really go for intimacy with God and then walk out and step out into the world with with the presence of God and, and try and touch and transform the lives that, that are so loved by, by God. So we don't want to just be another social project, we want to be a project that really brings down the Kingdom of God, really presents His power, His love, His presence and the values. And if we bring the Kingdom of God with us wherever we go, we will see transformation. We, we're doing a lot of stuff. We're involved in tons of projects because love has to look like something, but the core is love, is being radical. And that's our focus, to be fully consumed by that love. So God's doing exciting things in our midst here, and if you would like to become part of it, we know we're only one small piece in a, a big 
jigsaw puzzle of what God's doing in these last times. But we would love you to walk with us, to learn with us, to, to shine with us. So, se você é brasileiro, vem junto conosco. If you're a foreigner, come over. We would love to hear from you. There will be a, a contact details at the end. And just please get in touch and, and pray with us and for us. May God bless you all. This is Irish for others. So you can see in that video that they had several different practical ministries. They have a soup kitchen. They do a lot of outreach in the red light district to prostitutes and women and children in the sex slave industry. And they also have an at-risk youth ministry. And this is really, really dear to our hearts. We really feel strong to, strongly called to missions. We know that God has called us to go into several different nations, and Brazil is just one of them. Um, because we work full-time, and because we don't feel released to go into full-time missions yet, we can't commit to a missions training school. So the practical step that we could think of was to take a two-week trip to a base like this that has practical outreach opportunities and learn from them, network with them, gain as much as we can, and just simply serve. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to just go down there, learn, and prepare for our, our dream and our destiny. So... There, we're ultimately standing in front of you guys for partnership. One is for prayer. We want prayer because we need to know the direction that God's sending us in the future. We need covering, um, wisdom, those sorts of things. And then we also need financial support. The trip overall is going to cost us $2,500 uh, for the both of us, and that includes our visas, our plane tickets. We got a really good deal on plane tickets um, and all in our stay down there. And then that $2,500 also includes a small donation to the base itself, which we really want to not only invest our time, but we want to invest financially so that when we leave, there's somewhat of a lasting impression that they can buy soccer balls for kids and food for the soup kitchen and all of that. Um, and so we really believe that since this is not just a trip for us, that this is an actual step in the direction of our destiny, that we believe that as you partner with us in prayer and as encouragement and as you partner with us financially, you're not just giving to a two-week trip. You're giving to our destiny. You're, you're investing into the calling that God has on our lives. So a couple practical ways that you can give. We will take money. We take check. Uh, we also have a website set up for a GoFundMe, which is the link is behind me. And in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see in the constant contact, we're going to be featured. There's also a link there that if you'd like to give there, that'd be great. Um, and then we also have a, set up a website called followingthefosters.com. Um, and we set that up because this isn't just one trip. We want to go on several trips. So we want to invest into our future. So we thought we'd buy the domain so that way we can update people and our supporters and our family and friends that are praying for us. So we're going to be posting blog posts, things that we're doing. We're going to post pictures while we're down there, hopefully videos of people getting healed. We'd love to post that sort of thing on our website. So please go check that out. And thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm already full. From the worship, praying, listening, missions, I'm full. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Seth. So, we are in a series called Living a Powerful Life. And we'll see if we can get, there we go. 
the name this morning to our sermon is prayer, a key to living a powerful life. Amen. If you got one of these, um, got a little write up there that I just threw on there. And so we're talking about prayer. And if you know anything about your Bible, you know the Bible is a book of prayer. Over 650 times there's a reference to prayer or people actually praying. All the people in the Bible were people of prayer. Did you say amen? Give you some examples. Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10 says, would go and get on his knees three times a day, face Jerusalem, lift his hands, and thank God. Another one, David, Psalm 55, 17 says, evening, morning, and noon will I pray to you. The Apostle Paul either begins or ends every single epistle with a prayer. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So prayer is all in your scripture, amen? Prayer, why is it important? We'll look and answer that question, but let's, can we have that first verse? I, I, I mentioned David. I mentioned uh, Paul, but here's the strongest, greatest authority on prayer, the Lord Jesus himself, and here's his life. And Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This has been a huge verse for about six months for me because as we're called to follow him, this is what he walked in. And so he modeled what it looks like, and so prayer is a huge deal in Jesus's life. Now, I believe a good thermometer to our spiritual temperature is not Bible quotation and scripture memorization. Now, those are wonderful. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I believe a good thermometer to our spiritual temperature is not church attendance. While that's wonderful, the scripture says, that we should not forsake the assembly. And just allow me to say, if you've been here a member 10 years or you're a first-time guest, welcome. We're so glad you've decided to, to come and hear the word of the Lord. Amen? But I believe a good thermometer for our spiritual temperature is the condition of our prayer life. And that's something that people don't see. It's something God sees. Maybe your spouse sees. But that's something people don't see. And so sometimes we can gauge somebody's spiritual temperature like, oh, man, that guy knows a lot of scripture. They're always doing something. And and, and I believe that the greatest gauge for how we're doing spiritually is the condition of our prayer life. Prayer as I see it in the Bible is the most constitutional, indispensable characteristic of a follower of God. Would you say amen? Prayer is so big. Why? Prayer is to the soul what air is to the lungs. Without it, there's no life. And so we're going to explore the topic of prayer a little bit. Maybe for, it's so exhaustive. I had so much material and I had to crunch it down. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, now, let me just give you the definition in its simplest form, prayer. What is prayer? Communion with God. Fellowship with him. Intimate conversation with the Holy One. Amen? Now, I want to start off with something that's really been speaking to me, and it's not a traditional place where you would think that we would find the definition of prayer as New Testament believers, but I think there's a, 
there's some gold here in this verse. If we could have Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, um, and, and listen to the, wi- the wise man Solomon. He says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they, they, they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Prayer is how you get to know God. Remember our definition, prayer is a conversation. How do you get to know someone? Is it when you do all the talking? Can you get to know someone when you do all the talking? No. How do you get to know someone? You spend time, one, in their presence. You watch them. But more importantly, you listen. You listen to them. Remember, Jesus says, watch and pray. And so here, I believe, such a, such a fundamental key. And so if you remember back in the Old Testament, Solomon begins this by saying, when you come to the house of God. Now, in the Old Testament, God's presence was in the temple. So if you wanted to go get in his presence, you had to go there. Now, thankfully, we, we are under a new covenant where God says, boldly come to the throne of grace. It's not to a building. But, but, so, but, but his wisdom is still good. And he says, draw near to hear. Do you see that? Draw near to hear rather than offering what he calls the sacrifice of fools. He says, do not be rash with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart and let your words be few. And so here from this verse, Solomon seems to be saying, when you approach God's presence, it's to hear. And, and so he, he gives some, um, some direction, some posture. He says, let your words be few. I'm reminded, James, be slow to speak and come on, finish it. Look to listen. All right, all right, all right. All right, so, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pause real quick. On the count of three, we sang this morning that the name breaks every chain. And, and so what I want to do is I want to engage you, and I want to break some chains this morning really quickly. I want to just shake, shake that off of us. So on the count of three, we're going we're gonna to holler. We're going to holler the name. That's above every name, okay? Just to stir us in our seat for a second. Can we do that? So on three, we're going to just, we're just going to give a crazy Jesus shout. Are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Amen. Whew. Whew, that was more for me than you. Thank you, Lord. Ah, okay. So he says, draw near to here. Um, this is big because... Um, I thought, you know, prayer was about doing all the talking. And you're going to see Jesus share this, and it's going to, it's going to change our lives. So um, he says, draw near to hear, not to do all of the talking. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer, as we talk about it, has many dimensions. Petition is a dimension of prayer where you ask God. That's biblical. Intercession. There's another dimension of prayer where you pray on behalf of someone else. Thanksgiving, a very important dimension of prayer. There's song. There's tongues, just to name a few. So there's lots of dimensions in prayer, but all of those are one-sided. They're monologue where you do all the talking. You do all the thank you, Lord, and asking him for things, and those are fine. But our definition of prayer is it's an intimate conversation, a dialogue where two people speak. So, 
So when will you hear him speak? When you listen. A couple more things. He says, don't be hasty. That's a big one. The Lord's been teaching us that. Proverbs 19 says, hasty feet will miss the way. And so um, not being hasty in anything, but especially in prayer. I like this. He makes a point. He says, God is in heaven and you on the earth. And I share this every chance I get. Sometimes, guys, we can be so casual in prayer, we forget who we're talking to. And I just, I just believe, man, if there's something that God can do, it's, man, increase our awareness of who you are. Because he says, God's in heaven and you're on earth. Now I realize he's our father and we're intimate and we're one. But, but listen, like, um, have you ever heard thunder? Have you ever seen mountains? Have you ever seen sunrises? Have you ever seen oceans? The universes. He created all of those. And so sometimes there could just be a loss for, we can come in, oh, hey, God, we thank you, just thank you for my day. And, and you just, you lose who exactly you're talking to, that every breath you take comes from him. And so there's, there's, there's an intentionality about, about prayer. Now, I want to look at Jesus because he is the foremost authority and model on prayer. If we could have Matthew chapter 6, this is good right here. Jesus. First, we saw Luke 5.16 says that he withdrew often to lonely places and prayed. He modeled it. The best kind of preacher is one who practices what he preached, right? For Jesus, he actually uh, preached what he practiced. And we saw him doing that, and here's him teaching it. He says, but you, when you pray. I love it's not an if. When you pray, enter, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So here the master teaching us about prayer. And notice his direction. The verse before that, he says, don't be like hypocrites who like to stand so people can see them and so on. He says, you, you go and get alone. And so we're looking at prayer. We're looking at how do we live a powerful life? How do we overcome How do we do what the scripture calls us to do? A key is spending time with God alone. Now, that sounds so, all of us should should know that. We bob our head, yeah, yeah, so what? But I feel like, man, that's the biggest area that we are under attack in. You know, the busyness of life and distraction and everything in entertainment is pushing us away from the secret place. But listen, why is the secret place the most important? That's where you get to know God for yourself. And so Jesus says, go and get alone. Close the door and spend time with him. So vital. We can't escape. We can't get away any way from it. And so, you know, guys, I believe this. I believe a stranger to the secret place is a stranger to the God of the secret place. Think about that. Where is he found? Now, let me simplify that for you. A stranger to prayer is a stranger to God. Here's why. So think about this. A father has a son. So remember, prayer, what is prayer? It's communion, it's fellowship, it's talking, it's getting to know, being in the presence. So here's a father and a son. They never spend time together. They never talk to each other. When the boy grows up, even though there's a link, maybe genetically, maybe even geographically, they might live in the same town. They could even live in the same home. But they could grow up and and they could be strangers. Yes or no? 
And so the same, a, a stranger to prayer is a stranger to God. Look at this next uh, part. He says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetition as heathen, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Remember Solomon? He, he said about four things about your words. He says, let your words be few. And we'll see why, because he says, draw near to hear rather than do so much of the talking. He says, as the heathen do, i.e. people who don't know God. He says, don't be like them. But look at the next verse. And this right here has been changing my life. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Now, before I talk about that, I've said before, lost my water. I've said before, guys, something that's very simple in my head, maybe, maybe a bit hard for some reason for people to understand. I said that we're not called to have a relationship with a book. We're not called to have a relationship with a book. Um, this book, by the way, is so amazing. Such a blessing and an honor to have this book. Let me just tell you guys how, how amazing it is that this Bible is in the English print. If, if you've never studied it out, please do yourself a favor and find out how this Bible came to be in the English language. There were a couple hundred years ago men like Wycliffe, a man by the name of William Tyndale, men who were killed because they thought it would be a great idea to print the, the scripture in English. And these men, William Tyndale, for example, was burned at the stake because he tried to produce the scripture in English so common people could understand. And the Pope and the cardinals thought it could only be in Latin. They thought it was such a grievous sin that they would behead men. They would burn them at the stake. That if you were caught with an English Bible, you were imprisoned. They would beat them. And actually, the Church of England burned English Bibles anywhere they found them. And so I think it would behoove us to do two things, and I I aim to do this always in my life. Before you rummage through these holy pages, I pray 20 seconds you would spend, number one, thanking God for the man, Christ Jesus, whose blood has forgiven you and invited you into this relationship. And secondly, the men like Tyndale, who bled and died and gave their life so that you can have this blessed book and know this blessed truth. Man, thank you, Lord. I have so many of these. And it's just, it's common, it's nothing. But yet it was such a big deal and such a price these men paid. So I have a great honor and reverence for this book. But again, our relationship is not with a book. It's the treasure map pointing to a treasure. He's the treasure. What did men like... Noah do before there was a Bible? What did men like Enoch do? What did men like Abram do? Moses? See, they didn't study about God from a book. They found him in prayer. And that's where you and I will find him. Ah, thank you, Lord. So Matthew 6, 9, look at this. Do not be like your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. This has been changing my life. I used to think, maybe you were like me, so I used to think, if he already knows the things I have need of, why even pray? Have you ever thought that? But you know what that does, guys? That completely betrays the fact that we have no idea what prayer is about. 
We think prayer is about us coming and doing the talking. He already knows. Now, again, there is, there, don't get me wrong, there's, there's time to ask him and thank him and praise him, but here's what has to be settled in our hearts. As you and I approach, we have to know that he already knows. And so if he already knows, then what needs to happen for you to do the talking or for you to just come and now do the listening? God, you already know. So let me just give you an example, a coworker. Father, I just thank you that you know about Bobby. You know what Bobby needs. I don't. I see he's struggling. So, Father, I draw near to hear, how can I serve Bobby? How can I speak to Bobby? Give me some wisdom. I thank you, Lord, for Bobby. I pray that you open his eyes, so on and so on. But at the end of the day, you hush and you let him speak. Amen? So it betrayed that I had no idea what prayer was about. And it also exposed some other thing, my motive. My motive for, for coming to prayer was for me to give God my lists of things that I need. It was all about me. And prayer is all about him. So, so we must see this that as we approach. I, just, I encourage you to meditate on this verse. I, I don't know. It's been, just, it's been changing me because before I even open my mouth, I'm just reminded of, wow, you already know. You know, the psalmist 139 verse 4 said, before a word is on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it all together. And so the Father knows everything we need. And the thing he needs from us is not for us to tell him about those needs. It's for us to come and to ask him about those things. Amen? Oh, that's good. That one's good. So really quickly. Oh, gosh, got no time. But God's going to make it work. Really quickly, want to know the biggest secret to why uh, some prayers don't go answered? Isn't that like the big one? Why don't, why don't, why aren't our prayers answered? Do you want to know? Are you sure? Okay, I'm going to give you a couple. James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. There it is, petition. Asking God is biblical. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Watch the next verse. Ah, Jesus. Next verse. Next verse. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Think about that. That's, that's harsh. That's serious. He says, you will receive nothing from me unless you come. There's a condition. What is it? In faith, he says, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all your ways. And so if you examine your prayer life and you see things, um, that's a good question to ask yourself and ask the Lord in prayer. Lord, do I know what? faith is do i know how to come and approach you by faith now this next one james chapter 4 um really got me thinking look at this you do not have because you do not ask so again petition biblical asking god when you ask you do not receive why because you ask with wrong motives 
that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James chapter 4, wrong motives. What's the ultimate motive for prayer? It's to know him and to hear his will. And so here he says, it's your pleasure. You come for you. It's all about you. It's about you and what you want versus him and what he wants. Do you see it? This is what this verse is saying. You come and you say, Lord, my will be done. No, Jesus taught us what? Lord, thy will be done. So he says when you come and you ask, the reason you don't receive is your motive is off. Your motive isn't, Lord, what is your will for this situation, for my business, for my child? It's, Lord, this is my will. And he says, that's not how this thing works, guys. We come, and so we prayed this morning, we see in Scripture that it's God's will to heal. And that's the strength of why we do what we do. But God has a will concerning everything in your life. And so the secret place is the best place for you to be. I believe 99% of our problems all stem from that. All of the questions I get, the conversations, the phone calls, the prayer requests, most of them center on, I don't know what to do. I don't know why this is happening. How do I handle this, that, third, and the fifth, and the seventh? And guess who knows all of that? Your heavenly father. Guess how you get to find out all of that? When you go get alone with him and you listen. So simple, right? So James continues. This is James 4. He continues in this chapter. A few verses later, look at the next verse, 13. He says, now, listen you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you, don't, you, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So here he's, he's actually talking the same context, and he's talking to people who make their own plans. Yeah, next year we're going to do this. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And he says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life is of, and he reminds us of how finite we are. And he reminds us what this thing is about, him and his will. And so here he finishes this. Look at the next verse. And he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live first and do this or that. So here it is again. It's about the battle of the wills. He says to the first people, you who say this, that, and the third, you're going to, it's all about you. It's all about your plans. It's all about your prosperity. It's all about what you're going to do. And he says, but what you ought to say is, if it's the Lord's will, and not just as a, sometimes we use this as a catchphrase, like, are you going to worship Wednesday? If the Lord wills. (laughs) Right? While that's good, the purpose in the heart of this is, well, what does the Lord will for your Wednesday? And so it's this, is it about you and your will and your plans, or is it about him, his will, and his plans? So, um, I can get in one more verse. Look at first, look at first John. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition we have asked of him. Wow. Listen to this. This is the confidence. What's the confidence? 
that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. What if we ask not according to his will? What if we ask according to our will? Does he hear us? The verse seems to imply no. Is that what he's inferring? He says, if you ask according to his will, he hears. And so as I meditate on this, I have to, this is personally, I spent four days just mulling and chewing on this before coming to share it with you and being a doer. And it's, it's upending a lot of the beliefs I've had about God and how, how prayer works. And so he says that if we ask according to his will, he hears. And if we know that he hears, we have the petition that, that we have asked of him. And so God is interested in you listening. Amen? Because he has a plan. And I don't, you know, I want to be careful how I say this, but sometimes everything about Christianity, everything about prayer, everything about this thing we do can be so man-centered. It's all about us and our lives and what we want and how things, and, and I realized that redemption was man-centered. But now relationship and prayer and this whole thing, God has a plan and a will. And he wants his people to know that will. They will find that will in the secret place. But it's really easy to turn this about us. It's really easy to come with just our list and we do the, and, and we miss the heart of why this thing is, is, is happening. And so here we're talking about prayer. I believe that um, a man who does not pray is like a tree with no water. Both are dry, hollow, and dying. And so prayer is so magnificent. And so I want to ask you, because remember we said that, the, the, that a good gauge for our spiritual temperature is the condition of our prayer. Let me ask you, child of God, what is the condition of your prayer life, your personal prayer life? I'm not talking food. I'm not talking in this gathering. I'm talking on your daily life. Is prayer a joy for you? Or is it a struggle? Is prayer the most important part of your life and day, or is it the most overlooked? Because how you're doing spiritually, how you know God, how you know his will, all is found there. Would you say amen? Amen. So we've got about mm, got about eight minutes. Will you come and strum? Ah, thank you, Father. You know, he gives us just enough time to do what we're supposed to do. And we got through what we were supposed to get through. And so here's what I want to do. And I'm really big on this. The Bible says in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, today, when you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I'm really big on when you hear the word taught, that you respond to the word. That it's not something you're like, okay, I'm going to think about. No, that's where the anointing is. That you respond to the word. There's one more dimension of prayer that I left out. And it's part of petition, I guess. It's, it's called repentance. And repentance involves, number one, asking God for forgiveness. But more importantly, repentance is this turning where you turn from darkness into light. Where you turn from your ways and your will and you turn to him. 
And so what I want to do, as I always do, is I want to make some room for you. And, and, and we've said enough. Yeah, if you would. We've said enough. And so what I, what I want to do is um, I want to just ask you how your prayer life is doing. Now, would you just close your eyes with me for a second? just want to ask you if if you're in a good place and, and this is only something you can examine something only the Lord knows how's your prayer life doing child of God so if you know prayer has been non-existent and dry I want you to come and I want you to get before God. You can come stand. You can come get on your knees. I want you to come. If you know that you've not been diligent in prayer, he says, listen, we're to be fervent in prayer. If you've not been fervent and faithful in prayer, I want you to come and I want you to tell him. I want you to do it publicly that you you acknowledge if there's something else Holy Spirit is convicting you of if you know you're not living right if you're not if you know that you're not doing his will if you know that you're doing things that are not his will I want you to come this is your opportunity to get your heart right with God today today when you hear his voice today if your prayer life has been empty I want you to come and I want you to ask God to ignite a fresh fire for his presence if prayer has been all about you and you've just realized my gosh what have I been doing I've made this whole thing about me and my needs and if your, your motive has been you and if it's been about you and your pleasure, I want you to come as you see it now. I want you to come and draw near to here. Listen, if you've never fully, fully, fully surrendered to Him, if you've never fully surrendered to following Him, if you know you want to, if you know he's been tugging on your heart, but you fought and refused time and time and service after service and word after word, I want to give you another chance to come now, to come and to say yes and come and to turn your eyes on him. And if there's an emptiness in your walk, 
need you to know that that's not what he's called you to walk in. If you're just barely getting by, but just doing the bare minimum, that's not what he's called you to. He's called your cup to overflow. So if you need that cup filled, come. Come and let him fill you. Come and ask him to just fill you again afresh. Fall afresh, God. Freely I am given. Pray that you would ignite a fresh fire in us for your presence. 
freely I want your will and your ways, God, in your heart. We want you, God. We want your will and not our will, God. Your will be done, Father. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. Awaken our hearts this morning, Lord. Awaken our hearts to remember, God, that it's all about you. Waking all sleepers. Waking all sleepers. Awaken my soul. Come away. God, that you know everything that we need before we ask you. Forgive us, God, for being hasty before your presence. Forgive us, God, for our many, many words, Lord. Our many, many promises that we've not kept, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for to appreciate God who you are. Forgive us, Father, for being so casual in prayer, for negligent in prayer, Lord. We thank you for a new day, a new fire, Lord, a new passion, a new desire, a renewed desire to love you with our everything. Thank you, Father. Our life is but a vapor. Bless the name of Jesus. We love you. If you just want to stay up here and continue to seek the Lord, man, altar ministry, guys, if you want to just come forward, if you need prayer for anything, 
These guys are going to pray for you. Otherwise, if you would, just kind of gently allow God to continue doing this. You are dismissed. You have a blessed day.